Anyone who spent any time on it will probably agree that the internet is a super weird place. One of my favorite moments from the internet is that all the way back in 2017, a four-second video on the platform called Vine, which now doesn't exist, provided a voice to millions on the internet who were sick of historians and their absolute ignorance around queer relationships in literature and in art and in history. On October 25th, 2014, a Vine was uploaded to the platform, only four seconds of video, in which a man sitting on a stoop films a woman walking by on her phone, nothing particularly remarkable, and the only thing you can hear from her conversation is her saying the words, and then they were roommates. And then the videographer turns the camera around to his own face and says, oh my God, they were roommates. It's not literally only four seconds, but within three years, that video was shared so many times, and it has been looped on Vine over 67 million times, and in the years since, Vine has been shut down, and it's still become an absolutely plentiful and abundant internet meme. According to the numbers of the shares, if that four-second video were a musical single on the charts, it would qualify as certified quintuple platinum. The video quickly turned into a meme, almost exclusively used for one purpose, to mock the ways in which historians disregard obviously homosexual relationships. For example, a meme will have the text, quote, After the death of his closest male confidant, Hephaestion, Alexander the Great refuses to eat, cries in bed for weeks, creates one of the most expensive funerals in the ancient world in his honor, and then subsequently dies within eight months of losing him. End quote. Then below that, it will say, Historians, colon, and a screen grab from the famous Vine, oh my god, they were roommates. The assumption that historians always look at what are obviously queer relationships and just say, oh, they were roommates, is actually pretty well founded, because much of history has succeeded at ignoring significant and powerful relationships recorded in history and literature and in religion, which have been almost entirely ignored or explained away as being friends, comrades, BFFs. But actually, the easiest explanation is often that they were queer and that their relationship was a same-sex one and often a loving one. Think, for instance, if you ever had the occasion to study the Iliad of the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus. What's described there about the way that Achilles mourns Patroclus and the reaction he has when he thinks he's in danger and vice versa is not the normal relationship between two friends nor two comrades in battle. There's a love there that goes beyond the purely platonic and social. There's a real genuine homosexuality to Achilles and Patroclus, and I don't think that's a big and strange thing to say. Moreover, it's not just the Iliad, nor Alexander the Great, which has suffered from this affliction of history and historians going, oh my god, they were roommates. One of the worst offenders of this is actually our own tradition in the story of David and Jonathan. We read part of that story today in our Haftarah for Shabbat Machar Chodesh, but let's consider the whole story in context for those who haven't spent time with the book of Shmuel. In chapter 18, David has just defeated Goliath. He was a nobody, a fairly young man who came out of nowhere to defeat the people's greatest enemy. Saul, the king, watched David charge out to go slay Goliath and asked his general, Avner, he says, whose kid is that? The general doesn't know, so Saul tells him to go find out. 
A little bit later, Avner goes to get David and brings him in front of King Saul, who is holding court in the military camp along with his son, Jonathan. As David introduces himself to Saul, the text tells us, quote, By the time he had finished speaking to Saul, Jonathan's very soul had been attached to David, and he fell in love with him. We have a meet-cute. Jonathan, sitting with his father, the king, the prince of Israel, sees this hero who has slain the great enemy and immediately falls in love with him. David stays there in the court with Saul for a while, feted as the hero who defeated Goliath. And the text tells us that David and Jonathan, quote, formed a covenant because of their love for each other. Jonathan stripped off his tunic, which he was wearing, and gave it to David along with his robe, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Later, David becomes a beloved courtier to Saul, although very quickly Saul becomes jealous of him, multiple times threatens David or acts strangely towards him. Saul gives David his daughter Michal, Jonathan's sister, as a bride in marriage, hoping to cement their alliance so that David doesn't threaten him as much. But ultimately, Saul continues to get more jealous and more unstable, to the point that he consults with Jonathan and the rest of his advisors about potentially having David killed. Jonathan, expectedly, refuses to go along because, quote, he desired David. So instead, Jonathan went in a secret rendezvous and told David exactly what Saul was planning. He said, Saul, my father, he seeks to kill you. David hides away after that, and Jonathan tries to talk David up to Saul. He says, don't wrong him, for he hasn't wronged you. In fact, what he's done is very good for you. He risked his life to defeat Goliath and created a great victory in Israel. You were happy when he did so, and now you want to shed innocent blood and kill him without cause? The speech is a powerful one, and it works for a time. Saul did listen to Jonathan, unaware, of course, that Jonathan and David had a relationship secretly, that they had been meeting and discussing and taking their clothes off together. But it didn't last. Saul eventually got obsessed once again with killing David, and David had to flee once again. It's there that our Haftarah picks up. It's only our Haftarah because it mentions that the day in which it begins was the day before Rosh Chodesh, which of course is today as well. But it relates an incident in which David is hiding and Jonathan is helping him by sending secret signals to him to let him know if it's safe or not. They test Saul's patience by David not showing up for the Rosh Chodesh banquet. And Jonathan tries to explain it away that David's gone to see his family. But Saul gets so angry that Jonathan knows he's in real danger. And he returns to David's hiding place and uses a very subtle sign to alert him to the fact that he's in real danger and he has to flee. When they meet, at the end of the story, Jonathan once more pledges his loyalty to David, and the text the narrator reiterates again that they both loved each other deeply. There are no two people in the Hebrew Bible who are described as frequently as loving each other. When Saul finds out that Jonathan has been helping David, he goes absolutely mad, calls him his son, the worst possible names one could imagine, calls him a disgrace, a disgrace to his mother, and then in a rage he tries to kill Jonathan, the same way he attempted to kill David, by throwing a spear across the room at him. After this episode, Jonathan expectedly goes on the run for a bit with David, and they're reunited, and the text tells us, quote, they kissed each other and wept until David's sobs reached a crescendo. David has to leave once more, and Jonathan has to go back to the court. But in the meantime, David goes and gathers a guerrilla force, a band of 400 elite warriors at a cave, and he makes alliances with local warlords and plans eventually to take the kingship of Israel for himself. At one of their guerrilla raids, Jonathan runs into David. He finds him and secretly reassures him that he won't let Saul get to him. 
that David will be king someday and Jonathan will be his second in command. They renew their pact once more. Eventually, the story reaches a tragic end, as in chapter 31, Saul, in his hubris, ends up going into a battle that he wasn't prepared for and dies after being surrounded by a Philistine garrison on the battlefield. Jonathan and his brothers are all slain in front of his eyes, and when his own sword-bearer refuses to kill him, Saul takes his sword and falls on top of it, leaving an absolutely Shakespearean tragic scene where Saul and his sons, Jonathan included, are all dead on a mountaintop at the end of the battle. Eventually, someone comes to tell David, much time later, and when he finds out, he's horrified. He lashes out with violence at the people around him, and a lament immediately falls from his lips. He sings one of many songs that we know from David, but a beautiful lament for the warriors that have fallen. And in it, he sings about Jonathan. He says, Jonathan, who lies slain on the heights, my brother, I ache for you. You were the dearest thing to me. Your love for me was better than the love of women. It's a sad story, but it's also a love story. And if, after hearing all that, if after reading our holy text in the book of Samuel, you still look at that and go, huh, I guess they were roommates, then I think you've probably missed the point. They were not roommates. They were lovers. Whatever way their relationship was structured, however sexual it was or wasn't, it's clear that they loved each other very much. The text makes it obvious. And so it's important that we're honest about that. However we might feel about homosexual relationships today, we can acknowledge that this is a positive depiction of love and affection and loyalty and kindness. Each of them risks a great deal for each other. They clearly care a great deal about each other. There's no way these two were roommates. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Pride Month. And it's really important as we do so that we don't just think about what homosexuality looks like in our Jewish community today and how it can be accommodated. But we should also tap into our own tradition and recognize that there are positive depictions of same-sex relationships already there for us to touch on and rely on. It's there for us to use and to take. And it's there for us to connect with and to be inspired by as long as we don't do what all those historians do and look at it and go, oh my God, they were roommates. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.